Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. actually covered somebody on a, a podcast and had the same person be on the podcast, man. So this is very special. Yeah, no, it's dope. It's dope. So, you know, um, I'll give the introduction. Um, Al Harrington started as a, a basketball legend in our area, in the Tri-State area, right? Sure. Changed out of high school to the, to the league and um, had a great NBA career and then um, is having even more success now in the entrepreneurial realm. So he's a perfect guest for us because... Our show is, uh, you know, the backstories, the financial aspects of sports and entertainment. For the most part, business too, but sports and entertainment, right? Yeah. A lot of times people, they look at NBA players, NFL players, actors, but they don't really know what goes on behind the scenes on the financial side, right? Mm-hmm. And financial literacy is something that, you know, is in season right now, especially in our culture. So 
it's encouraging um, to see our growth, Troy, as yes. far as, you know, being one of the top financial podcasts on iTunes in a short period of time. Yep. Um, and one of the reasons why we're doing that is because people are interested in sports and entertainment, right? Yeah, the reason the success is really a testament to how much people need it in our culture. So that's why we're delivering the content at the rate we are. And we're going to keep delivering it. Yeah, not for sure. So, yeah, so we wrote about Al. I wrote about Al um, early in our Instagram, like early on stages of Instagram. Yeah. And um, it was about, you know, him starting a company, right, called Viola. And it talked about him putting like $5 million into it and, the company blew up, and you tell the story, but he um, he he liked it, the uh, the post, and he started following us, right? So that's the early yeah, support. Yeah, yeah. That's that early support. Knows us. So we appreciate it. And then, <laughs> then we spoke about him on another podcast, and we spoke about marijuana industry. Yep. And now we got him here, so it's it's, it's full circle. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate. Uh, thanks you, for having me, fellas. I appreciate it. We we appreciate you. So all right, can you just give the people a quick backstory? I wrote, but I, I think it's a really dope story as far as to um how you got into the marijuana cannabis industry um, as far as, you know, starting out with the seed money. And I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you couldn't even do it and your name is in your cousin's name, right? Correct. Because you ain't want to, like, cross those yeah. lines, right? <laughs> yeah, man, I didn't want to lose my, my contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. What I'm saying? yeah. But I saw an opportunity that made a lot of sense. And, you know, for me, it was all about being able to help people. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't about just the financial gain. It was like, wow. You know, so like you said, just to touch on the backstory. You know, we from the same area, so you already know, like, the whole war on drugs. And, you know, yeah, for sure. It was explained to us, and, you know, we was taught that, you know, cannabis is a gateway drug. Mm -hmm. um, we saw people getting locked up for having weed and all that. So, you know, I know I ain't want to never get locked up. You know what I'm saying? You know, my mom with my ASS. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, in fact, and I didn't want to be a crackhead either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, for me, I stayed away from it, you know, as far away from it as I could. But... When I got to the NBA was the first time that I saw like active players that was actually like killing on a nightly basis, smoking yeah. heavy trees. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, surreal, man. So that's when I first realized that, yo, we was being lied to. Yeah. But it still, you know, it still wasn't for me. You know what I'm saying? Just because you see somebody do yeah, something, right. I mean, you, it's for you. You right. know what I mean? And yeah. I always felt that smoking was just bad for you in general. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So. I stayed away from it. So throughout my career, like I said, I had teammates that used to smoke heavy. Steven Jackson's one that I could go out there. Matt Barnes, um, and some of the guys that I won't mention now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, you know, I had teammates that actually used to smoke. So, you know, I would ask some little questions and all that. And they would tell me, like, yo, I smoke because of this. And I smoke because of that. And like I said, it was productive. So it yeah. changed the way I thought about cannabis. So, you know. Fast forward to when I signed with the Denver Nuggets in 2009 or 10, when I left the Knicks. Mm -hmm. You know, when I got there, they had just started their medical program or whatever. So, you know, I'm one of them dudes that used to always read the newspaper, especially with being George Carl being my coach. And you yeah, see, he's right, definitely right. exposed himself since he's stopped coaching as being yeah, the type of asshole that he was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He was the type of coach that when we won the game, it was because of him. And when we lost, it was our fault. So I used to always read the paper just to see what he would say. But at the same time, I was picking up the newspaper every morning, and it was always something about the benefits of cannabis. Yeah. So my grandmother had come to see me play towards the end of my first season there in 2011. And, um, you know, she got there. She had me put this pill box up on her counter, and she started taking all this medication. Yeah. And the athlete in me said, Grandma, why are you taking so many vitamins? <laughs> and she's like, boy, these are not vitamins. She's like, I got high blood pressure, diabetes, glaucoma. And I was like, Grandma, I was just reading the paper the other day that, you know, cannabis helped with glaucoma, and I was telling everything I was reading. And then finally she said, well, what is cannabis? 
And I was like, you know marijuana, weed? She's like, reefer? She's like, boy, I ain't smoking no reefer. Ain't no way no reefer gonna help me out. That was a bit of ill conversation. She's 79 years old at this time, at the time, right? And I'm, you know, so I'm starting to educate her, but she shuts me down. So the next day I come home and I had a game, so I come home and shoot around and she's sitting in my kitchen and, you know, she's sitting with her hands in her, well, face in her hands. And I'm like, grandma, what's up? And she look up and she's squinting and she like, that's you, baby doll? She's like, my eyes hurt so bad today, I could barely see. So I said, Grandma, you tell me you're taking all that medication and you still in pain? Like, it's not working at all? Right. And she's like, it's hit or miss. So I was like, look, this would be our secret. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, just try it. And, you know, and I, I, I believe in God, right? You know, I grew up in church and everything. And, you know, as we all know, like, old people are hard to change their beliefs, their yeah. ways. You know sure, what I'm saying? Sure. And, and, my grandmother, I would say all the time, like, if she not going to heaven, we all going to hell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And not only that, like, she's the backbone of my family, backbone of the church. So, like, I mean, she's so straight and narrow. And for her to say, okay, I'll try it, that was God to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was helping me pick what was next for me, which I was blessed. Because a lot of players where, you know, you talk about the financial literacy and stuff like that. What sucks is a lot of guys, when they get done playing, they don't know what's next. You know what I'm saying? They're so used to people chasing after them. And when that's over, it's just like, it's such a rude awakening. It's just like, you don't know what to do. And a lot of times, you start to spend money to be relevant. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's how they run through the bag. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, you know, so I talked to her about it or whatever. And she's just like, you know what? I'm in so much pain today. I try anything. So I called my boy. I was like, yo, you got to go to the dispensary, find, get something for, you know, for glaucoma. Yeah. And I'm not a smoker at the time. So yeah. I don't know what to recommend. I don't know indica, sativa. I don't know nothing. So he bring back Vietnam Kush. And we vaporize it. And this is how we go. We vaporize it for them. And, you know, and that's harsh. Yeah. So I take it in the garage and she starts smoking it. And, like, she's, like, blowing it in and blowing it out her nose. Like, perfect. So I'm looking at her like, this is your first time. Like, I'm like, smoke. And she's like, well, I smoked a cigarette one time when I was 16. And uh, but long story short, you know, she smoked. I took it downstairs. I went and took a nap. I woke up an hour and a half later. And before I got dressed, I said, let me go check on her to make sure she's cool. Yeah. And I uh, went downstairs and uh, knocked on the door, her back was to the door, and she was looking down. I was like, Grandma, you good? And then she turned around, she was crying tears. She was like, I'm healed. She was like, you know, I haven't been able to read the words of my Bible in over three years. Wow. So wow. that's my inspiration. That's my story. That's how I got into cannabis. And, you know, we decided, you know, me and my cousin, who was my business partner, we decided to name the company after her. Yeah. Her name is Viola. So that's how we got out. You know, that's our origin story and how we started. Yeah, now that's dope. Um, if we could just talk about the, the league for a little bit, because, yeah, you know, we do write a lot of stories. And, and it's unfortunate, right, where a lot of guys, I even, um, Kobe had spoke when he was saying, the passion, the problem that a lot of guys have is that they don't know that passion after, right? Yes. And even if you have a long career, 35, 37, that's still relatively young in yeah. life, and right? Yeah. So, and then I also, um, shout out to Sebastian, you know, he fell on some hard times. He just, he got convicted. So, you know, we're praying for him, but he, um, he had a good clip too, where he said, um, you know, he kind of explained how a lot of guys fall into financial hardship because when you get paid, it's not like you get $50 million all at once, right? Right, right? We know that there's a jock tax, like every state that you go in, you pay the state tax. And then, you know, you get paid twice a month. Then you have to pay everybody else. And then a lot of times you you don't have the financial literacy when you're coming into the league. So, you know, you all of your stuff is kind of like out front. Now you got to kind of pay it back, right? So right. can you just talk about that briefly as far as like, because you, you, you were inside, so... Yeah. You know, as far as like the and, difficulties. You play, and you played for multiple teams, yeah, so you've yeah, been yeah. for a few states. Yeah, I mean, obviously the tax stuff, and you know that is what it is. And you know, I got a story of my rookie year. You know, um, they, they sent me in the end. They yeah. sent me my taxes to sign or whatever. And um, 
you know, it was like all these books, you know, about yay high. And I looked at it and I didn't know what it was. So I took it and I put it up in my closet. I was staying with Antonio Davis as a rookie. Oh. And like two weeks later, I came home and he was sitting there and he was signing those same books one day. And when I came in, I'm like, what's up, big fella? He's like, chilling. I'm like, what you doing? He's like, I'm signing, you know, uh, paying taxes. Mm. He's like, you got yours? I was like, I got some books like that a couple weeks ago and they're in my closet. He's like, go get them. So I go get them, bring them. He like, smack me up behind my head. Like, don't you text? You gotta, you gotta sign those. But you're, at, at that time, you're what, 18? I'm 18. 18 years you old, gotta, right? You gotta remember, I just turned 19, man. Yeah, because you went right. But right you gotta remember that the challenge is this, man. It's like, we first generation money. Exactly. You right. know what I'm saying? That's the thing. It's like, we didn't learn how to make that money. You understand what I'm saying? We didn't really, I'm not going to say we didn't earn it, but we definitely earned it, but yeah. we didn't learn how to make it. We didn't run a business. We didn't learn how to balance books and, and grind the P&Ls and all that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's kind of after the fact. And then a lot of times what happened with the players, which sucks, is that we have financial advisors and agents and all that yeah. that discourage us to learn how to do that. They just like, pay me, I'll take care of it. Keep You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, that's, and that's the issue that we have is like, no, like, and I learned that after I turned 28 is when I started taking a, a vested interest in where my money was going, the taxes I was paying, how I was paying taxes, where my money was actually going. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, I was just having fun. And I was just trusting that they had my back. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So that responsibility of first money is just is very tough, man, because, you know, it's nobody in your family you can really go to. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they don't know. The mother's, you know, her credit bad, dad credit bad. Grandma credit bad. They don't. They don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. So you end up having to trust somebody that you don't know, and you just gotta pray to God that they do you right. You know what I'm yeah. saying. And where I was lucky was that I had a financial guy. You know, my, I ain't gonna lie. My first, my rookie deal. When I got done with my rookie deal, so I probably made just under two million bucks, right, over a four year span because I was a 25th pick, so I ain't make as much bread. But like, I had like thirty thousand dollars in my name after that. You know what I'm saying? Because I ain't know. I bought my mother Alexis. I bought two Benzes. I bought a crib. I ain't yeah, know. Right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But after that, once that happened, that's when I moved to my new financial advisors and they start teaching me. They're like, look, when you buy this, or they even told me little stuff where, like, you know, if I can't pay for something with cash, I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And that was a great mindset to give me. So now I'm not going to go and buy five, $500,000 cars. Now two point five million. I owe. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Right, right. Better, like, okay, if I'm gonna spend five hundred, I gotta get what I can get for that. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? So, little things like that is what helped me. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the players. I just say, you know, it takes some time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of got to get your feet in there and start figuring it out or whatever. But I, I will always tell these guys, like, you know, take the time to learn about your money and learn like how you're spending it and who's spending it and yeah. where it's going and finding out tax breaks and starting non-for-profits and if you're going to take care of your mom do it this way if you're going to take care of your family do it this way and uh, you know it's very challenging though you know what I'm saying because you know like I said being first generation money and you know a lot of people make you feel like they like you own I remember I took you yeah, in sure. I bought you this I bought you, you a bike I bought you a coat you yeah. know what I'm saying and you feel bad next thing you know you're going to spend some bread you know what I'm saying so um, it's tough, but you know the good thing about it, these guys making so much money now. It's changed. I think they definitely that, got that, a more of a window to kind of make some mistakes and still yeah. be okay. That, you know yeah, that, that, new, that new deal that they signed, yeah, it's that, that changed. It's gonna keep getting better too. Yeah, so, absolutely. So. No, that's a game changer, and it's important too because so I'm a financial advisor, choice a teacher, and uh, as you can, you know, my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I see it firsthand as far as like. Um, 
right. There's not a lot of financial advisors that look like me, right? So a lot of some guys in my office, they might work with athletes, things of that nature, and I could just tell they're not looking at them as their peers because right. they're not their peers, right? right? And they're looking at them as a meal ticket, and right. it's like, okay, when you're done playing, it's over, right? right. Like so. I think that it's important, like you said, that the athletes have to start empowering themselves or work with people that are interested in empowering them, right? right. And I think that's one of the good things, even with our platform, is that inf- inf- there's so much information available now, and that's why we definitely want to sit down with you, even, and we'll talk about you know, your business now in the next segment, but you really have to, you can't, the days of just letting somebody do whatever they want and being blind is over. Right, right. Like, we can't afford that to happen, because we've seen it happen Every generation, right? Like we wrote the article on the Ari Leisure page about Chris Bosch. Right? He had a hundred twenty-five million dollar deal. Says he knows nothing about finance. Or R. Kelly, who say he never walked into a bank. I've never, yeah, a month ago. Exactly. It's like how impossible. How is that? His thing was like the, back to the Chris Bosch. Was like his main focus is I have to train, I have to perform, I have to keep my body healthy. That's the only thing I'm focusing on. And it's like, but you're getting paid to do this. Like that's almost as equally as important, right? Like to say you have you don't know anything about finance, you just signed a hundred and twenty five million dollar deal, it's like it's mind boggling. Right. But it's 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 real. It's real. It's real. Yeah. And but the thing about yeah. it, not even not even the because nobody really knows anything about finance. I know a lot of doctors that don't know anything about finance. True. The difference <laughs> is that their career is gonna be forty years. Exactly. You 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 were fortunate when you had a second contract, right? But what if you didn't have that second contract? Like you say you got thirty thousand, now yeah. you're out the league. Now yeah. you're now you're really screwed. And you're what, twenty four at that time? No, right? I would Maybe twenty two, right. Yeah. So all right. Yeah, my whole life in front of me would yeah. been disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now we're gonna go into the business side of things. All right, so um now we're gonna talk about you know you you you, you built uh, an empire. This yeah. is an empire. Yeah, it's We're an empire. In it. <laughs> very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. So um, you know, especially like you said, in our community, right? Unfortunately, there's countless people doing 10, 15, 20 years, thirty years, Fed time, state time for marijuana, right? Like for marijuana. So now we're in a position where we can actually make money legally right. off of marijuana, right? So it's one thing, all right? Because this, this, I get this question a lot, Instagram. People just in general, they're like, how do I get involved in the, in the marijuana business? So you can buy stock. We'll talk about that. But you actually built a company, right? Yeah. So can you just talk about that? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of people, I know for a fact, that there's a lot of people that want to get involved in it. But they don't know how to go about it. They don't know licenses you have to do. They don't know, like, you know, it's just like, and that's the problem with our community a lot of times. We don't have mentors. Right. We figure it out as we go. Like, you know what I mean? That's why we, we make so many mistakes. Exactly. Exactly. Because... There's no mentorship. They don't. There's no blueprint to follow. So it's like, okay, I'm just gonna go out there. Yeah. I think. I think one of the things you like, and what you've done is like, you've kind of laid a blueprint for people from what you've been saying. Like, I, I, I remember watching the, the uh, HBO Sports Special, and I was like, wow, this guy literally created a farm and went and planted the seeds himself. I think. One of, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's dope. That was dope. <laughs> I was like, one of the best quotes. I was like, you said, um, make sure you're an expert in what you're asking people to do. Right, so if I'm gonna hire you, trust that I know what I'm doing. Right. You wanna talk about the Harrington Group? Yeah, man. Uh, it's funny, bro. Like, like y'all said, man. Like, I don't really have like a financial background or any of that. Like, it was literally like I just took my work ethic that I took from that how I got into the NBA and played 16 years. Mm. Like, you know, my background. I didn't start hooping until I was a freshman in high school. Really, really. Out of high school. You never <laughs> played basketball before. Like, never, organized. Never. Wow, you know, my crazy. mom used to beat me one on one all the time. Even as a freshman, I was hard. I was the worst player on the team as a freshman, and I probably was like the eighth best player as a sophomore. 
on my team. You went from that to being the player of the year. Like in two years. Like, <laughs> like, but it was, I lived in the gym. It was work ethic. Yeah. I learned like, and I and thank God I was able to get the results because it showed me what hard work could do for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And what I've done is I've taken that same approach into the cannabis industry. So like, you go back into my office, you see I got a big plaque on my wall that say nobody will not work us. You know what I'm saying? Like the reason why I played 16 years was because I swear every year, because I remember my mindset as a rookie. My mindset as a rookie was I was looking at the older dudes and I'm like, I'm taking a job. Mm. I'm getting that spot. Like, I got to play. So so I always remember that was always in the back of my mind as I got older in the league that these rookies that's coming in, these are trying to take my minutes. You know what I'm saying? So, and I take that same thing with cannabis. I'm like, yeah, Viola may be popping or whatever, but like, I don't sleep, you know, I don't sleep any better at night. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still constantly thinking there's another black company coming behind me that's going to try to claim the things that I've done or even just regular companies, you know what I'm saying? So that's always my edge, you know what I'm saying? I always can constantly do that. But to answer your question, like what 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 they've done, and I mean the lawmakers and stuff like that, because they have so many different people uh, influencing their decisions. Because see, the issue that we have in cannabis right now is that the people that are actually writing the laws don't have any business acumen. They're just politicians. So they're writing these laws and putting these taxes and all these different things and they're killing the industry. You know what I'm saying? What I think they should have did was they should have went to some of the people that were successful in the black market and used them as consultants. You know what I'm saying? Because it was a thriving industry until (laughs) y'all stepped in. You understand what I'm saying? So that's that piece. But why it's tough is this. Um, They're trying to monopolize the process, right? And like what you said, you know, our our communities was, you know, most impacted on drugs. 85% of all black men drug arrests are cannabis related. You know what I'm saying? And we have no representation in the industry. Right now, with me doing what I'm doing and a couple other people, we represent 1% of the industry. Like, that's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? And it's tough for me to sit here and tell somebody, like, go do this to create ownership because it's tough. It's like, you know, you look at New Jersey, some places we're very familiar with, or even New York. Yeah. You know, some of the requirements was like in New York was like, you gotta have like 20, 25 years of experience in uh, farming or agriculture. Like, what black person? <laughs> in New York. Wrong with New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For that yeah, yeah. You know, We don't even own land. That right, that one. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. New Jersey was, you know, um, you had to show uh, 15 uh-huh. to $20 million in uh, workable capital part of your application process. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? So what black person can do that? I'm like, even I struggle getting people to put up money to have 20 in an account. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? That's what all the resources I have. So just imagine somebody off the block. And I'm not saying this to discourage you. What I'm just trying to give you is just like, what's going on, right? Yeah. So how I look at it is like, you know, one of the things I want to do is I want to start incubating or whatever for the for, for the black communities, right? So what I want to do is I want to get licensed in every state and I want to build facilities that are big enough that I can allow other black entrepreneurs that want to get into this space an opportunity to come in, perfect the craft, whether they want to make CBD, THC waters, whether they want to make THC mints, whatever it is, I want to give them the platform, the licenses, allow them to be creative and create products, right? That's one way that I feel like I can include more black people, right? Yeah. The other way is this, and this is real because my company right now, right, you know, I would like to, I wish I hired, I wish I had more black employees, right? But I promise you, when I put out these job opportunities online, uh, through, uh, you know, all those, I mean, I'm trying to blank. Like, Indeed. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. They don't apply. Wow. There's nobody applying. 
You know what I'm saying? So, and I can't figure out what's what are the these issue? jobs like. What's, what chop, what kind of jobs are they? Whether it's um, you know whether it's working in the farm or, or uh, in the grow, being a grower, um, being a packager, and this is this is going to be my point. You got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You got to put your ego aside if you want to get into this industry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know so many people, bro. I probably know so many people that have started off as packagers that now own dispensaries. They're not black. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. they went through the they went through the whole process, learned every part of the business. You know what I'm saying? And then figure it out because at the end of the day, what I will tell you is that if you do do that, you're going to be valued with somebody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I wish I could run to somebody that say, "Yeah, I packaged, I've grown, I've this, that, and the third. I'm hiring you ASAP. That's all the experience I need because what, because of the, of the way my company is kind of set up, we wear multiple hats. You know what I'm saying? We kind of our attitude is like everybody do a little bit of everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't have no problem going to clean the bathroom. Dead ass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just how I operate. When they see me doing it, everybody knows it's not beneath anybody to go and have to operate like that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, so sure. you know, so one of the things is just I would just say. You know, look at applying to get into the industry. Maybe you can't get ownership right now out the gate. You know, I would say that this industry is going to be like liquor, where liquor has over 40,000 brands. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be the same thing in cannabis. So maybe right now in 2019 or 2020, you don't get your ownership in something. But 2021 is always going to be opportunity because it's just going to be just like the liquor industry. You have craft beers, you have all these different things. So I would just tell, you know, all the entrepreneurs or people that want to try to figure out how to get in, is just go get a job, man. Get a job in the space. You so know what I'm saying? You guys are, Vital Extracts operates in four states, right? California, yeah. Oregon, Michigan, and Colorado? Yes. So when you say, like, people are applying to do jobs, like, the farming would be in Oregon or the farming would be home? in Oregon. So, like, you know, so my farm is, like, where it's at. I don't think a lot of black people there anymore. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I saw yeah, it. Saying, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, that's just because of the geographic location, you know what I mean? But in Colorado, yes, California, for sure. Mm-hmm. Michigan, 1,000%. You know that, is that your newest one? Is Michigan's the newest yeah, one, Michigan's right? Michigan's our newest place okay. or whatever. So we're opening up our uh, retail in the next 15 days. So oh, wow. excited about that. That's our first retail operation. Yeah. And it goes back to like what I was telling you. was like I'm learning every part of the business. You know what I'm saying? So I know all the cultivation, greenhouse, outdoor, indoor. I know all the manufacturing methods. You know what I'm saying? Now yeah. we're going to dive into the retail part. And, you know, and like and to my point that I was just saying, like I wanted to do retail five years ago. I wasn't ready. You know what I'm saying? But I built up, built up to the point where now we're ready. And now we're opening up a spot. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's, we're going to go from there. So, how, all right. So, um, as far as scaling the business, right? Because you, you started, um, I don't know exactly, like, if you started with a dispensary. Like, what was, what was the first thing you actually started with? I was just a, I was a caregiver. So, um, what that means is, you know, if we're all patients in Colorado or whatever, you would give me your paperwork and I would grow, you know, anywhere from 12 to 16 plants okay. for you. Right? And, when we first started, um, we only had 40 lights, and it was in a 12,000 square foot building, and all of our patients either had HIV or cancer mm-hmm. or whatever. So we grew for them. So what we do, we would grow it, we would give them a portion of it, and the rest of it we would sell to dispensary. So what's your business model as far as scale? Because a lot of people, we had a, um, a restaurant owner on, and he, he actually was a great interview. And he, the thing is, everybody might not be in the restaurant business, but I, in my personal opinion, business is business. So no matter what, the key principles of scaling a business can be applied to anything, right? Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, you've, you've been able to, that's what one of the things I'm really impressed about is that you've been able to scale your business in a very short period of time, right? Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's not like you didn't, you didn't have a business background. Sure. So, A, I, how were you able to do that? And like, what what's your kind of um, business, business model, like broad range as far as like, you know, looking at opportunities, scaling, like, you know, 
Yeah, so my biggest thing is like, you know, my number one thing is to build a, a good brand. You know what I'm saying? I feel like once the brand is strong enough, we can take the brand anywhere. You know what I'm saying? There's a couple examples of other brands that have sold to Canadian LPs and different things like that. They don't own any of the supply chain. All they do is have a brand. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm trying to do is vertically integrate my brand. It gives it more value. You know what I'm saying? What yeah. I've learned is that, you know, nobody is, you know, like, ain't nobody going to treat your car the way you treat your car. It's your car. Right. They get in there, they drop something, ain't the same. You get in there, you, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. just that's just life. That's just how I've just realized that people do things. So, you know, for us, the reason why we get cultivation in every city is because we have a viola way that we do things, the way that we grow, yeah. the way the end product. You know what I'm saying? So, that's the reason why, for me, why you know we continue to go state by state and acquire these licenses, so that every time someone opens up a viola package, they get an experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We control the experience because we control the you know the supply chain. So the Harrison Group, right? It has three things under the umbrella. You got Viola Estrax. You got uh, is it Baby Butter? It's just Viola. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Butter Baby. Butter Baby, I'm sorry. And then uh, Harrington Wellness, which is our replay. Yeah, so the, 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 there's, there's like a difference. In the Butter Baby is the, the edible component. Yeah, that was funny. They just walked into it. <laughs> yeah, they, um, yeah so, they make, so they make butters and coconut oil. Um, they make olive oil. They make all kinds of stuff that you can cook with. And yeah. their vision and their message is that, you know, a lot of sick people um, can't eat edibles. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times people that have cancer, what do they have? Diabetes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you can't be taking all this sweet stuff trying to get the benefits and you're messing something else up. Yeah. So their, their, their mission is to be able to teach people how to dosage and medicate themselves through all natural foods. Okay. And then the Harrington Wellness is, is that's, is that like the oils or the creams? That's yeah, that's a CBD line. So right now on that on Harrington Wellness, um, our first product line is called Replay or whatever. And it's really catered towards um, um, recovery, pain relief, yeah. um, weekend warrior athletes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. have uh, we have cream tincture capsules, and we have this little uh, recovery shot, almost like a five hour drink yeah. or whatever that we take that we have as well. And you know that is expanding. So the way we actually, you know, sell those products is online mm-hmm. because we use uh, we use hemp, straight hemp, or whatever. Yeah. And um, we sell online physical therapy clinics, small box gyms, and then we also have a program where um, almost like the Mary Kay mm-hmm. or whatever. So we're allowing people from the community an opportunity to be a part of the brand and be able to sell the products. That's dope. You know I, what I'm I, I was reading when uh, I think 2012 you had the. The surgery on your knee, correct, and the, the staph infection, and they were trying to treat you, and you were like everything wasn't working, right? And you were using a, a cream. Yeah, I was like, huh? And then when I kept reading, I'm like, oh, okay. And yeah. then from there, then you started hearing more guys, uh, Steve Kerr. Right, right. I'm gonna start using it. And then you had this meeting with David Stern that changed. Right. That, that's a game changer. It was a game changer, man. That that story was crazy, man. <laughs> like. I mean, I, I see him at this thing called the Milking Conference, which is a conference they hold here in LA. I think it's like forty five hundred a ticket Ooh. just to come for three days and just kind of learn about all different industries or whatever. And um, he, uh, he was on a he was on a panel talking about the effect of esports on like the NBA and NFL because the esports guys were saying like it's going to trump live sports. You know what I'm saying? And he was on there and he was just talking, you know, they uh, was very witty, you know what I'm saying? So he was up there talking circles around a lot of people up there. Him, uh, Robert Kraft was up there, 
guy from Univision or whatever. So after the, after they got done, I just went up to him. I was like, David, what's up, man? And, uh, you know, his mind is crazy. He remembers everything, bro. Like, you got to think about he's seen over, you know, 2,000 players come yeah, to the league. And when he sold me, it's not like I was LeBron or somebody. The first thing he said was, how's your knee? Oh, wow. My knee yeah. You know what I'm saying? I never ever sat and talked with him about it ever. You know what I'm saying? He just shocked like that. So we started talking, and, I, and that was my way of telling him, like, yeah, actually, my knee okay. I actually use cannabis, blah, 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 blah. I can imagine and his then, face. <laughs> and then I started telling him what I was doing, and he was just saying, you know, I hope you don't smoke all the product. It's just real funny about it. And I was like, David, you know, when you get a chance, I want to sit and talk with you about a couple of things. And it took me like seven months to set up my first million with him or whatever. But he's so busy, I had like a 30 minute time slot to talk to him, right? Yeah, like the lady from that was running the, the Sacramento Kings was meeting after. And we was in it for an hour and a half. Oh, it was wow. that interesting in everything that I was telling him. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, let's have another meeting we met again. And then the third time I met with him, I just asked him, I said, you mind if I just like interview you on TV? Yeah, And he said, yes. And you know, when I had that, it was so funny. Cause you know, he's an attorney, so it's kind of hard trying to like trick him, right? <laughs> and you know, he's very calculated. He's not gonna say nothing, you know what I mean? So when I was going through all the questions with Maverick Carter or whatever, because you know, Aaron Terrector had helped me put that together, we was trying to figure out ways to kind of walk him down the road to say like the league should just consider cannabis yeah. use. And literally my second question, bro, he said that. Like he was just like, Yeah, after talking to you, I think they really should reevaluate the policies and this, that, and the third. So I'm looking at everybody off camera like, what else we want to talk about? But uh, now nah, I was cool, man. And a lot of people always say, how much ownership did you give him in your company? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't give him nothing. You know what I'm saying? He that, really believed it. That conversation could change, like, the way Lee's look at it now. Like, that, I feel like that's super important. No, I, I, think, I think it's uphill. You, you kind of know, like, okay, the, the tide is turning, right? Mm -hmm. So anybody that is intelligent, it's a fight that's not worth fighting, right? Even if you're not pro-marijuana, you don't have to be pro-marijuana or, or use it yourself, but... It's really hard to be totally against it at this point because it's a battle that eventually is you're not going to win that battle, right, right. right? So I think that when you see David Stern and, and these other guys, you know, they're intelligent, they're obviously intelligent people, and they want to be on the right side of history. You got to remember, man. I swear, bro. Like you know, it was so funny when I first got done. That I was so scared to tell people what I was doing, right? Just thinking of like how people would react. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I mean, since I was retired, I've been offered NBA jobs. I'm coach, you know what I'm saying? I've been offered TV jobs. Like, people, not that they, I'm not saying that they don't care, but it's like they're starting to come around to realizing, like, all the pharmaceutical stuff we're using, dog, right. like, that's the real dangerous right. stuff. It's right. like, right. we can sit here right now on camera and smoke for the next two weeks straight. I mean, back to back. You know, <laughs> we can eat edibles. We're going to fall asleep. We're going to pass out first. But I guarantee we won't die. So right. there's five pills. There's pills out here in the world that they've given people that yeah. they give a, a bottle of 60 yeah. and you could take five of them and get in the hands of a child. Anything like that. They take five and they're dead. Right. So how do you compare the two? Right. It don't even make sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that people are starting to realize, like, wake up, dog. We're not saying that it's, we're not saying that everybody should smoke. We're not saying any of that. All we're saying is that it's an alternative way for people to medicate themselves without the highly addictive and the dangerous pharmaceutical drugs that are being offered. You know what I mean? We look at these commercials and it's like, 
you know, people were skipping and this, that, yeah. and third, and then the commercial was like side effects, <laughs> internal bleeding, and they're still skipping on the beach. Right, and they're still skipping. I'm like, that don't even make sense. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, my whole thing is I just feel like, man, sometimes, man, it's just like common sense is not always common. You know, but, you know, the reason why I like the platform that I have is that, you know, when I go to these seminars and it's these doctors up there talking about phytocannabinoids and this, that, and the third, like you're talking to people that have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, you got to talk to their language. You know what I'm saying? You got to talk to their language. And that's what I've been able to do with other athletes and other entertainers that are stepping out and being advocates. I think that we are starting to humanize the plant and the whole process in general. That's, that's dope. That's dope. All right, so now we're going to go into our last segment and talk about the, the future of the, the marijuana industry and the company as well. All right, um, so now we're going to go into the future. But before we go into that, because... We like to paint the real picture of entrepreneurship. I don't know if you watch like YouTube a lot, but I do. And um, there's a lot of entrepreneur guys on YouTube, and they always they ain't talking circles for now. You don't really know what they said. And it's all motivational, like if you don't wake up at five a.m. Like you know what I mean? But it's like okay, but what does that mean? Like you know what I'm saying? But the good thing I like about you is that you actually started a few businesses, right? Troy, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So uh, reading your portfolio was like. You've had businesses that haven't succeeded, right? Or out the gate. You had the restaurant in Miami, and you tried a, a hotel yeah. in New York, New York City? Mm -hmm. um, well, upstate New York. Upstate. Uh, so yeah, way upstate. <laughs> too far. You were talking about yeah, what I, happened I, I, in that I think experience? it's important for people to understand that every business is not going yeah, to go straight to the moon. No, nah, I mean, most successful business people would tell you they took hella L's before they were successful. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, that's part of the process. You just got to manage the loss. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, in the beginning, like, I used to be so, like, you could sell me on any idea. <laughs> any idea. Like, like, you was passionate about it. I'm like, word, how much we can do? What? <laughs> and I learned that that's not the way to operate. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the one operation was Philippe in the city. So, you know, Philippe on 59th Street has been over 10 years, 10, 12 years. Philippe Child? Philippe Child. Was that Sebastian, was Sebastian involved with that? I think Bassi might have put some money up. Okay, too. I think you're right. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we we in there every week. It's cracking. I'm like, in Miami? Oh, I got to go ahead. Yeah. What I learned about Miami, Miami seasonal. That's true. You understand what I'm saying? People go down there during the winter. They don't go down there during the summer. It's too hot. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. I learned that. So now if there's any Miami business deals and there's food or all that kind of related or service, I know now. Like and now I know that about other places too. Like places if it's a seasonal place, you gotta know. Yeah. The hotel business, um, what happened with that, I think, was more of just two thousand eight happening is when Ooh. I made the investment. Ooh. It was just everything had just crashed. You know what I'm saying? I think the concept was good. I don't know of how far upstate New York maybe, but you know, they had like Jack Nicholson had signed on to do the golf course. Oh, wow. um, they had a hotel there. That was, the hotel was the anchor, and then they were going to build homes around the golf course. So, you know, that that model has worked a lot of places. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's, you know, I know a project right now going up in, um, in Vegas like that. You know, that model has worked. So I say that deal right there didn't come to fruition. I think more of just because of the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I think the concept and everything was actually right on. You know, Marriott had just signed on to manage the hotel. So, you know, everything was coming in, in place with that. But I took that out. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, when I played for the Knicks or right before when I was in Golden State, I started the Protégé sneaker line or whatever. Um, that was going to be very successful, but I had bad business partners. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I started realizing I'm going to bet on myself on everything. 
So like a lot of times now, like it's really tough for me to get to invest in somebody else's idea. Or I gotta fully understand it. Like, I mean, when I say understand, I gotta understand it just like the person that's pitching it to me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before I would actually make an investment. And um and I think that, you know, from taking all those L's, I think that's what I learned. You know what I'm saying? Is that, you know, you can invest in other people's ideas or whatever, but you know, if you're gonna make that investment and put your hard earned money into it, you need to fully understand how you're gonna get your money out, what are all the risks involved, and what is gonna be the ROI, what's the true ROI, not just something someone pitching. Because even in cannabis, <coughs> I remember like someone pitching me, I'm in the business already. Like I'm in it already. They came into my building in Colorado and showed me a facility they wanted to put up in, in uh, Nevada, and it was gonna make thirty million dollars a year. And one thing I can tell you for sure, there's no businesses that's just starting in year one and making thirty million dollars in cannabis. That's it's just impossible, yeah. you know, because you got to remember, and this is a gem for people to understand. It's like, you know, when you launch in a new market, it takes a while to get that customer acquisition because most people are going to the dispensary that first time, and a lot of times those dispensaries aren't going to be carrying the fire fire either. So you're gonna go in there, and you're gonna spend sixty dollars for an eighth, smoke it, man. And remember, your man got it on the corner for twenty twenty five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's going to take you a while to realize that your man's stuff isn't tested, it's not as safe as what you actually smoked in the dispensary. Right. It takes people time to get you know used to that and realizing like this stuff out of this dispensary is way safer for me and my family or my girl or my homeboy or whatever. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's when people start going back to the dispensary and realizing that smoking that other stuff is potentially dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. You know, they sitting there telling me like we're gonna make all this money in the year one of a market that's brand new. I'm like, it's impossible. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's shown if you look at the market out there, people still kind of struggling in the in the Nevada market. And it's been three years now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's just you know, you just you know, like I said, you just gotta really educate yourself when you invest, man. And you know, it's not easy. And you know, a lot of times, you know, especially depending on the industry, like cannabis is so new. A lot of people are getting tricked. Yeah, you know, that's what I was like, going to say because it's so crazy because everybody's looking at it like it's the gold rush. Right. Like, yo, just go to um, L.A. or Las Vegas open and open a dispensary right. and you're going to make a million dollars. People really are thinking like right. that. Right? You can't even <laughs> open it. And it's not even that easy to open it. Right. Like, you just can't go to just any state and just open up a dispensary. The only places right now that's kind of that open is Oklahoma. I would say that I know of right now that it's pretty easy to go get a, a license and open up. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of these markets, man, they're so regulated. And, um, you know, the markets that are smart to me, they make it somewhat restrictive yeah. just because you don't want that oversaturation like a place like, you know, Washington and Oregon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's another thing I learned. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, I'm not really going to run and be so excited to run into a state where it's unlimited licensing. You know what I'm saying? Where it's a place where it's unlimited licensing, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go partner up with one of those licenses producers, come in, give them my expertise, my SOPs, and just have them fill a viola job. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? It don't make sense for me to go spend all the capex to go buy something to be competing because it is just a race to the bottom. Right. You know, I use my example of like in Oregon. In Oregon, when I went out there in 2016, and uh, outdoor pounds was being sold for anywhere between a low end, 900, high end, 13, 1400. By the time I harvested in 2014, the price of pounds, outdoor pounds, was like three, 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. But you know why? Because the market was oversaturated. When I went out there in 2016, there was only 40 operators. 
by the time I harvested in the, a year later, it was over 400 producers. And now you look at the market right now, they got a million pounds of surplus in Oregon. You know what I'm saying? So these are the some of the things people got to learn and just realize, and, you know, and, you know, I got to do a better job because I want to, I want to get more of this access and this, and, and not even access, but this information to other entrepreneurs that's trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Because these are like very valuable things that they should know yeah. and kind of help yeah. kind of steer them in the right direction so that they don't lose. No, nah, it's dope. And I, that would be dope if you could do that platform that you were speaking of too. Because like I said, there's so many, I'm sure people hit you up all the time, but there's so many people that want to get involved right. in it, right? And it's like, it's not easy, A, and you know, it's, it's pitfalls like any other business. So, um, you know, I think that the more, like you said, the more you, the more you learn, Right, you're gonna educate yourself, and then also it's important what you said before, as far as to say, okay, a lot of times people just want to come in and open a dispensary. Like, nah, just work your way up. Like, it takes time. Like, you know, you don't have to. It's not gonna be over tomorrow. Right. <laughs> I think everybody's in a rush. Like, I need to do this right now before this blows up. Nah, just wait. Like, it, two years isn't gonna kill you. Right. <laughs> and, and like I said, you're right because you know, like, and you know, and I feel that pressure sometimes as a business owner too, where you know you see all this consolidation happening around me, and it's like, damn, now they got access to. I'm still trying, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, being a little patient, and I'm saying move too slow, yeah. be a little patient, because I'm at the table. You know, that's all you can ask. Because I'm asking, I, I asked, all I needed was an opportunity. So I'm at the table. And that's what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this opportunity? And, you know, I feel like, you know, sticking true to what I'm doing and just building an unbelievable brand that everybody knows. Like I said, every time they pick up a package, they have a great experience. I think I'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? I think I can. Okay. Yeah, so I read down, you know, you guys, the, your valuation from uh, over 100 million, but you said a billion is not out of the question. Mm -hmm. So, you got, what, what's the next market that you guys are trying to tackle? So, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, man. Like, I never really, I never came into this thing with a dollar mind, a dollar in mind. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was never about, I want to make a, mil a billion dollars. You know, a lot of times when I do interviews, they kind of walk me down that road. I fall for it every time. Mm -hmm. But, one, I think that. What I'm creating will be worth multi-billion dollars, not just one. Yeah, one is too small, right? But the reason why I think that is because the good and how many people we're going to help is the reason why we're going to have that kind of valuation. Yeah. Because, you know, like with Viola, like I'm trying to make this brand a brand of the people. You know what I'm saying? And I got a couple different ideas of trying to figure out just how to get regular people involved and invested in Viola. Let them take ownership. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the key is like, Having you know, having customers feel like they own the brand. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I like I always reference the Puff and Ciroc. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Puff has created an environment with Ciroc that people feel like they are a part of that lifestyle. Once they, they buy so it, <laughs> right? It's like you pick up that bottle, like you went in there looking. We got We got to get some. You pick up that bottle, got a silk joint on it. You like that? Cali about to jump out. You know what I mean? So I learned that from him, and I saw that. And you know what I'm saying? And you know. I think that he was able to do that because he's very authentic in his message and he was consistent. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what, you know, that's what I'm working on. And like I said, you know, with this incubator program and different things like that, I think we're going to be that brand that everybody's going to want to support because they're going to be able to take ownership in it. Let me ask you, before we wrap it up, I just had a question. So they just passed the, um, the SAFE Act. Well, they didn't pass it, but they passed the first step, SAFE Banking Act. Mm -hmm. um, so if anybody's not familiar, 
the it was a, it still is a major problem because marijuana is not legal on a federal level, even though it's legal on some state levels, right? So a lot of banks, most banks, don't really want to do business with marijuana companies because it's a great line and they can get in trouble from the feds, right? How have you dealt with that as far as like, and what do you think the future, how do you foresee the future in that? Because that, that plays a major part in my opinion, because once the banks legalize it, then that's kind of like, you know. Right, then people will get loans. Exactly. And people can potentially get into the space. But not black people once again because you know we got student loans. Yeah, so that's why it's gonna be tough, but mm-hmm. whatever. But um, you know, when I first started, I had no banking. Obviously, um, credit unions have come around, so every state I bank with a credit union, and then there's also a third party um, company that I, I work with, also named PayQuick, that they're pretty much like the middleman between the producers and the bank, and they have a whole you know due diligence and a, and a process that you know, the banks, the credit unions are comfortable with being able to bank. But you know, the banking is smart. Like the, the, the credit unions, they making a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? They charging $2,500 a month just to hold the bank account. Yeah, well, that's you know great. what I'm saying? And let alone the fees on all the money that actually comes in. So banks realize it's a billion dollar opportunity for them too, but it's just that the federal government has their hands tied because other than that, believe me, they would be all in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If they could. Yeah, nah, that's dope, man. Now, we want to, um, anything else you want to talk about, Troy? No, you guys good. Yeah, now, nah, we want to thank you for coming in. Also, before we wrap it up, it's important, I think, for people, A, to follow their passion, right? Because you, like you said, you, you're passionate about this. It's not just about the money. It's not even about the money. It's to help people, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people, and even we've made that mistakes in the past with yeah. other things that we, we, we're successful now with the podcast because we actually like doing it. Yeah. We're passionate about it. But we've done stuff in the past where Honestly, we just did it for money. It didn't work. It never worked. It never worked. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to to wake up every morning and do something if you don't really care about what you're doing, right? So I think that that's encouraging. And then also, it's very important, first impressions and work ethic too. So I was just talking off camera. So if anybody followed the podcast, you know that I went to like eight different high schools in high school (laughs) for basketball. But I went to school in Florida for, for a little bit at IMG Academy. So when I first met Al, this was years ago, and he probably doesn't remember, but one thing I always remember, because he was in IMG training, as a, he was a professional. So if anybody's not familiar, IMG is a, one of the top prep schools in the country. They actually just won. Yeah, IMG. So um, they have they have pros that come in as well, like football and basketball at the time. Every yeah. sport. Yeah. So he was, he was there. He was one of the pros that was working out. And we used to run pickup games every once in a while. So I can't say I had a lot of interactions with him. I had some interactions with, with some other people. Harold Jameson, yeah. real good guy. Harold's like my guy. Like Harold Jameson, my guy. He was different. Nice. different John Wells. John Wells too. John Wells too, my guy. I, I, I yeah. remember getting them stories. Yeah. Yeah. I just met John Wells. Yeah. Yeah. Real? Harold Jameson, man. He's the first person. So I, I missed my school bus one day, right? So I'm like, he's like, what's up? I'm like, I go to school. I'll give you a ride. He had a drop top Lexus. And he had the air conditioner on full blast. I'm like, why do you have the air conditioner if we got the top down? He's like, cause it's cold. It's gotta get colder. So he's the first person I've ever seen to have a full blown air conditioner in a drop top. That's why I got the kind of guy he was. So nah, he, uh, yo, if you know anything about Harold Jameson, so when you like, he sweat at the drop of a hat, <laughs> like a mule. Yeah, like you know, the drop of a hat, bro. So like, he was the type of dude when we used to work out, bro. Like during the workout, he used to have to always wipe the court. That's how he He'd go through an hour workout, bro. No BS. You know, our workout, he go through 14 shifts. 
<laughs> and I always had weight issues. <laughs> like, bro, how are you overweight? Like, what? He was playing for the Heat at that time, and that's when they were they playing with the body fat and all that type of yeah. stuff. But he would have issues with his weight, and he used to sweat. I'm guaranteeing he was driving with sweat. Fat, you wouldn't have to free Yeah, up. shout out to him. Wherever you are in the world right now, man, shout yeah, out to you. But, but I was saying that, you know, one thing I'll never forget is that, you know, Al, he always worked hard. He was a hard worker. Like, I remember Joe, so the, the head basketball, he used to always reference him. Like, you see how 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 hard Al works? You got to work like that. That's how hard I, he always worked hard and he always smiled. Like, he ne- he was never in a bad, I never saw him in a bad mood. He always had a smile on his face, right? So you, it's funny what people remember because that was 15 years ago and I still remember that, right? So I say that to say, you never know how it's come full circle. Now he's on our podcast, right? So it's important to just be a good person, yeah. right? And to set that example. You never know who's watching you. Exactly. This, you, is, this is like no, it's, perfect, no, it's, right? real, like, it's reality. Yeah. And you never know when, when it could come back, right? Yeah. So I just... I always tell people, man, it's just so much easier to be cool. <laughs> like it's so much, like it takes no effort to be cool. It takes no effort somebody walk in the room and give them a head nod. It takes it's no so. effort. Yeah. Like you ain't got to go out your way at night and just acknowledge people, just be cool. And that, that's why I'm saying like, I've never had no issues, no way I've been. You know what I'm saying? I live in LA and people get robbed here in New York. And I've never had security, nothing. Atlanta, Miami, I go anywhere. I go any hood, I go, because I'm cool. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Like, what's up? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm approachable. And it's just, and to me, it's just like, it takes effort to be a jerk. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, for me, like, I've had a lot of success that way. And I tell people all the time, like, when people, you know, are always asking me about, you know, different things and, like, betting me. I'm like, dog, you could vet me with anybody. I have no enemies. There's nobody walking the earth right now that got anything bad to say about me, bro. Because I'm regular, I'm fair, and, you know, my, my word is my bond. So I said, I'll do something, I'm going to do it, period. That's you right. say, Shaq, right? Keep your calm clean, right? Yeah, you got to keep, keep your calm clean. Another clean. one, too, um, Charles Phillips. So yeah, he was down there, too, and I never forget my dad. So when my dad, he took, took me to school, and um, everybody knows him. He's Charles Phillips. I didn't know who he is. So he walked up to my dad, and he's like, um, <laughs> He introduced himself. He was like, you know, I'm Charles Villa. So my dad is always impressed to this day because it's like he took the time to walk up to a stranger that obviously knew who he was, but he treated everybody the same, right? So I say that to say in in business and just in life in general, I think it's completely underrated just to be a good person. But in in addition to that, it's like, look at the success that the two individuals you're saying have had post-NBA. And it's it's no no, no coincidence, coincidence, right? right. They've treated people with respect and honor and look at the success they had post no, you're right. You're right. Those two, two things go hand in. Yeah, right. you're right. So yeah. So um, do you uh have any initiatives, or how can the people contact you? How can the people contact Viola? Um, website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so we're about to. So we got some big, big announcements coming up. Um, hopefully, the first one is June first. We on we on schedule to get that done. So um, we're potentially bringing somebody on to the company. It's going to be a huge name for what we're doing. Um. You can follow us on Instagram at Viola.Lifestyles. Um, you can follow me at Al Harrington 3. And just, you know, we, we obviously do everything through social media. That's the world we live yeah, in. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, you know, our website, we're revamping that as well. We got some merchandise starting, about to hit. Um, so, you know, we just continue just to move. So I would just say just continue to support us and follow us. And when you get a chance, you know, buy Viola. Yeah, 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 you know, I'm sure. always open to... On social media, please hit me and let me know what you think about it. You know what I'm saying? I've had some bad reviews. I had mostly great, but you know, when it's a bad one, I just got something to say. Trying to get you to try it again. But uh, yeah, we just we just moving. We just uh, we working. We building. And you know, if you have any um, 
cool ideas and different things like that, and you're in the states that we're operating in, we're going to reach out for sure. Appreciate that. Troy, before we go, can you just talk about our Patreon? Yeah, so Patreon is, uh, for those of you listening, you know that it's our way for us to connect with um, some people who want extra content. It also allows us uh, an avenue to do things like this, you know, come to LA and touch with people who are doing things in business and in real estate that can help everyone. Um, so one of the things I was saying is like, he's having a tough time finding people. Well, you just spoke to a bunch of people right now who are probably thinking like, hey, I can help out. So Patreon allows us to do that. Um, we have uh, five different tiers, you know, that private pay program is, is something that is important, you know. So if you feel like supporting us, great. If you don't, we love you the same. Or, but yeah. um, you know, it, it allows us to do things like this. Yeah, private pay, private pay, marathon team. Of course, Nipsey right. was our guy. Everybody knows that we reference him every episode. But um, yeah, you know, like I said, I always say we're gonna give you the information for free. But if you would like to financially support the podcast, that's the way. We also have merch. Our merch shop is up. On the website, earnyourleisure.com. So make sure you, you got that. We got Troy got the assets over yeah, like the shirt. Right yeah, now. season two coming on. It's coming. Yeah, season we're two coming. A whole new, new collection. And then, and then we want to just thank you guys as well. Like I said, to to be you know a couple of months in and to be ahead of Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg and Susie Orman and we we just did it. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying like, nah, we have a, a crazy budget. Yeah, we didn't I, have any budget. We call, I was like, yo, we, we just passed all the sharks on Shark Tank. No, it, <laughs> like, it, no, we did. <laughs> but then it just shows how hungry the culture is for financial literacy, yeah. financial empowerment, right? So we're going to keep giving you guys the information and we, we appreciate your support. Before I leave, I always do a book tip. So uh, my book tip this week is actually the first book that I've ever read when I was getting into finance, like 18 years old, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Everybody knows that book. I actually had like the whole thing. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike. Michael. <laughs> Shout out to Mike. Oh. Uh, we had that. I'm because I'm that that's a great book, but the first person I heard had read it was Mike. And I was like, yeah. The first I that I heard. Michael. He's our he's our sound guy. He's our sound guy. <laughs> he's so, Mike. Yeah, big Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Mike. So when big, he said well, that, I was like his name is not Mike. Big home. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the big Yeah, home. when he when he had said he read it, I was like, wow. That inspired me to go read it. So, yeah, like, shout out to nah, nah, shout out to shout out to big homie. Um, so yeah, um, that is my book tip of the week. And um, yeah, thank you for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Say big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big.